When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It used to be hard to find the exact auto parts you needed. And that meant spending a lot of time at swap meets. It's a different game now when you can order exactly what you need from eBay Motors. They have 122 million parts, so you can always find the right fitment. Spend less time searching and more time building with the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Ever not up to second in the Premier League, four wins in a row uh, domestically. Uh, what a horrible game when Everton got there in the end. They are two points off the top of the league on Boxing Day. It's remarkable, isn't it? Uh, joining me now to chat about all that is Rob Vera, Dave Downey, Mark Mosey. Yeah, Dave, we were saying before we came on there, I think, a combination of the Christmas festivities and shouting at that match that your voice yeah. has got a little bit. Uh, mo- most of it's due to it's uh, <laughs> most of it's when due you said to, it, uh, it's like it's like you expected me to have a completely different voice when I speak. Um, oh yeah, I mean all of it like in the last half an hour is because of that game, uh, which was infuriating at times. Um, a lot of it not through the fault of Everton, really. I thought I thought we had to. This sounds quite bad for for the opposition, but we had to stoop to Sheffield United level. It's completely different I think to, to to ultimately get a, a, a result tonight. Um, and then what a lovely goal! The, the the goal is so surprising because of the temperament that all the players seem to show <clears throat> um, throughout the move. You look at when Bernard gets it, that the lovely cushion pass into the core and his. His sort of way with all envision to do that at such a, a time in the game where you'd expect him to try and turn or pivot or shoot. Um, and, and it's just a beautiful moment. It's such a well-worked goal. And that, effectively, that bit of quality is the difference between these two sides. Mm. Um, and what, what a massive win that is. That is huge. I mean, I, I don't know about anybody else, but I was pretty downbeat after the... Uh, performance in, in the Carabao Cup quarter-final. I thought Everton bottled it a little bit, but I know we don't want to get into the finer details of that. There's a, there's a podcast on that if, if people want to listen to it, but uh, t- tonight was was never going to be pretty at all. Um, I, I looked out of my 
before and uh, that weather outside, there's a storm hitting the country. Um, and his name's Bernard. Ah, <laughs> oh, oh, right, yeah. Get it now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I think, I think Moe's, it was one of them where, you know, before the game, you said, what was that? What's this football match going to be like? I probably would have said exactly what it was like. And I never really felt as though Everton were in danger of conceding in that <clears> game. <throat> it was always just going to be about whether the players we had on the pitch and the way in which we were playing right. and the pattern of the game meant that we could find a way through and, and get the decisive goal. And like they said, they managed to just, you know, show out a line with the rest of the football match, wasn't it? But they were able to just conjure that one moment of quality in the second half, second half that got them over the line. Mm. That, that game was never and could never be any different to what it was. Um, if Everton were going to win the game, that was how it was going to be. 1-0, horrible. One of the worst Premier League football matches of its entire history. Um, but th- they, are, they are the sort of games where, historically, obviously, Everton don't win those. Um, in particular, as Dave referenced, on the back of what was a an understandable, I think, but but an equally disappointing defeat in midweek. Um, I think the overshadowing reference you could bring out of that game against Manchester United was that it looked as though football matches were were just coming at Everton too thick and too fast at the moment. Uh, the last thing you need on the back of a comment like that is a game three days later in a storm when you arguably four best players aren't playing. Um, it, it's got all the hallmarks of Evertonian disappointment. Um, but I, I think as much as we say that we, we kind of knew the path of the game and we knew the, the style of victory that we were aiming for, I think Dave referenced the temperament and I think that was really important. Um, I think any football team, but in particular Everton teams down the years, there's an opportunity for panic in the last 25 minutes whereby... Do you know what your routine victory is clearly not there. Um, it, it is going to be have to be really hard for, and you're going to have to dig in. You're going to get one chance, and you're going to have to take it. Um, but I think I never really failed to feel that assurance. I felt as though <clears> we got a chance, we take it. I felt as though if we got our noses ahead, we'd be comfortable. Um, I appreciate that the opposition are are part of that confidence, but we we have a back line now that regardless of who plays in it, and, and albeit that the four lads who started tonight, I think, look the most comfortable in this system. But th- th- there, is a, there is a confidence about Everton not conceding goals. If we were to go back five or six weeks when it, we, we were longing to remember what the last clean sheet was, which was back on the opening day at Spurs, it, you, you could never have imagined talking about this team in the way we are in terms of defensive solidity. Three um, clean sheets and four in the league now, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, the, the stuff that keeps coming up about not even conceding shots on targets. I mean, w- what is this football team? How, how have we become this sort of Ancelotti-inspired, Milan-esque stalwart defence at the back? It's, it's incredible. But I think in the, in the eternal words of Metallica, nothing else matters other than that result tonight. There we go. I didn't think we'd be getting a Metallica reference on, on the show tonight, to be fair. Um, <laughs> Yeah, speaking of heavy metal, let's go to, to Rob Vera. Um, <laughs> Rob, I think it's uh, the, the thing that I'm sort of so happy about sitting here now, and the thing that I was concerned about before the game was that there were so many opportunities and so many traps, I think, for Everton to Everton this up today. You know, yeah. a team that hadn't won 
this season. We had a lot of players out. We had a lad out who we've not won without in the Premier League before. All of our rivals in and around the, you know, the table dropped points today. It felt like there was an opportunity for us. And, and in the past, when we've got into these positions, we've somehow managed to mess it up, be it a draw or be it a defeat. But we didn't ever to me. And I think that's probably the biggest comment we can play them. <laughs> yeah. Um, all the... All the old Everton excuses that have become oddly comfortable for this club, uh, too comfortable over the last, I'd say, decade or so, they were all there. Um, it, it, I used to joke that we were the kind of team that were front runners because, you know, as long as we had all of our available players and as long as the wind was not blowing too hard, it wasn't too rainy, wasn't too cold, uh, you know, like things go pretty well for us. Um, we have, we've been waiting. I don't know. I feel like I've been waiting for half my life now, but we've been waiting for a side that could find ways despite all the the old reasons to win games like this. Uh, this is the kind of game that, and I don't have the historical record in front of me, but doesn't this feel like the kind of game that we've typically drawn or or lost in a in a in a you know fluke circumstance before so many times? Um, I think that's what was so nice about this was I, I I think I said in our chat, Matt, I'll take the three points and I don't care what it looks like, uh, and I don't really care what happens against City as long as we can get these three points I meant that um, I'm gonna try to remind myself of that in a couple of days even though now I'm, I'm now I'm up for anything at this <laughs> point but you know Mark said it I think Mark said it really well uh, you suddenly have a side that 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 is oozing confidence defensively um, you know three out of four are clean sheets but we haven't allowed a goal from open play in four games either you know Arsenal had to get that penalty to score against us um, I, I think it's been really impressive and they just found a way you, you, we, there's a ton of analysis a ton of metrics that we always dissect in in this sport and, and it becomes so much of the fuel for conversations like this but there has to be something about an attitude and there has to be something Thing about going up against sides like these and just finding a way. We all would have liked three or four nil, but given the context, the injuries, the lack of rest, the weather out there today apparently was really, really nasty and gnarly. Um, this is, you know, one nil is beautiful for me, and and I, I certainly am happy to take it, especially when you consider that Sheffield are a side that is due. They're going to win eventually, and it always feels like. We're the kind of side that uh, here comes Everton and 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 ends up being the tonic uh, that that these sides need. Uh, we weren't that today. They can be someone else's uh, victim when they eventually win their first game, but it's not going to be us today. And, and we go second in the league. Uh, and, and I think it's it's and it's absolutely amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah, I think it's. Um, we haven't even mentioned that the goal scorer really. Yeah, um, David. <laughs> you know, we, we sort of said that. You know, it's. You know, the goal sort of came completely out of pattern with the, the rest of the match in regards to it being a nice flow of move and a, a really precision finish. And I think, you know, in the sense of Sigurdsson as well, his great moments and positive moments sort of fell out of line with his performance, I think, as well. Because mm. I think I was, you know, was put on Twitter there. He was, he was really poor in open play and from set pieces. But he was quite lucky to stay on the pitch, to be honest, because Tom Davis got dragged off and was having quite a good game. Maybe could have pushed Gomez forward and taken Sigurdsson off. But, you know, that's... That's what Sigurdsson, in an ideal world, and when you think about the best version of Gilby Sigurdsson, does, isn't it? Gets on the end of something in the box, mm -hmm. finishes and decides the game for you. And, you know, 
we want to see more from him. Obviously, he's, he's been nowhere near it really in the last couple of years or so in an Everton share. But if you can produce moments like that five more times over the course of the season when the game's on a knife edge, then you might just be worth something to this football team still. I agree with you. I agree with your comments on his performance. Um, I don't think he was great at all. <clears throat> I think there's a lot of there's a lot of excuses why I think we can we can you know consider why it was such a poor performance from him. Um, you even mentioned some in, in the conditions, also the opposition, and you know there was going to be a game that you're really going to struggle to string five, six, seven passes together. Even keeping the ball on the floor at times looked quite difficult. Um, so I'm, I'm willing to let him have that, um, given the fact that not only because he scored the winner, which is a wonderful goal, but also because he's actually been decent in, in the last few weeks. I think he's been a good player for us. I think he's been a positive uh, influence on the pitch. And I actually think he looked a, a figure cut and a captain for once as well. Um, I think he's shown some leadership qualities, having to stand up uh, in the face of adversity. And, and, and I think that's a theme that I'll take from tonight is that um, we Rob's right, we spend a hell of a lot of time talking about the intricacies of how Everton's set up and perhaps we don't often focus enough on uh, the things that a game like this really you know, shows and, and, and unveils about the side and that is them showing a set of bollocks um, that is them showing the, the courage to stand up it's so, so easy for Everton to go there and take a nil-nil draw I, I wouldn't have been Massively disappointed with it with a nil-nil draw, given the circumstances, given how this felt as if we were set up to fall um, in, in typical Everton fashion, given their uh, circumstances. And, and what performances like this do, very, very rarely in seasons over the years that, that, that I've suffered as an Evertonian, um, is they surprise you. Um, very rarely they do it, but they, just, they, they surprise you. And tonight's one of those nights. Tonight's, you know, you, you look at the characteristics of that performance and it was all about being angry. It was about being gnarly. It was about, you know, fighting fire with fire. It felt like an FA Cup tie to me at times, uh, such was the, the golfing class, but we had to dig deep. We had to go down and fight them at their level. Um, we were never going to win this play in uh, the best version of Everton that could possibly be available today. Uh, given the, the 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 quality that we had missing, but you look at who come on and 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 now we're starting to see things that me and Rob discussed earlier on this season on one of our long compads, and it was about how if we can get something from these players that have let us down time after time, this Everton side could surprise people. It could do something different. It could break the, the sort of equilibrium that we've known in the Premier League for quite some time simply because we do have the quality where it's needed. And tonight that was all about that performance. That that was for that was for the Everton rejects that tonight, I think. That 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 was for that was for the Everton bench warmers, the letdowns, the the you know overly priced clowns that we've come to criticise week on week. You you look at some of them who come on. Um, you know, Sigurdsson probably led that line. You look at Tom Davis, one of his best performances in a blue shirt for many, many a match. Yeah. You look at Bernard come on like a man possessed. Andre Gomez all of a sudden looked quick. Um, there, there were all these different facets to a performance, all put on show by players who have invariably let us down more often than not. And lo and behold, you look at it and you think, wow. Everton have got a squad, look out. Because the first 11, we don't have much of a problem with. The first 11 will put a lot of teams in this division to the sword. 
when we have to dig deep like we did tonight, and when I saw that lineup, it was it, it was the old you know that that meme with the the dog that pulls the funny face. It was a little <laughs> bit one of them, wasn't it? It was one of them. Um, that that's what it felt to me when I, when I looked at that side, and then all of a sudden he surprised you. I mean, <laughs> you look at how they ran the clock down towards the end there. It was masterful. It was like a, a, a vintage side that you know does this week after week, winning games one nil after one nil. It, mm-hmm. it was all completely different to me. It wasn't a bottle job. It didn't look like it was going to be one. The defense looked solid as a rock. Michael Keane comes off. I think we need to discuss that. I actually think it was planned for him to maybe perhaps just do an hour, given yeah. the fact we have four centre halves on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Holgate moves to centre back is absolutely fine. Ben Godfrey, once again, superb as a left defender. I'm going to call him because I don't think he's a left back, um, given given how we sort of struggle to get the ball forward on those sides at times. And the manager deserves immense credit for his management there because it looks to me, he's, he's looked at this match thinking, Do you know what, we've got this and we've got Manchester City, we've got teams on either end of the scale that we've got to play in the space of 48 hours, over, just over 48 hours. What's our best chance of getting the most amount of points? Taking three against Sheffield United is imperative. Because this one against City now is is a little bit different, isn't it? I'm not going to say it's a free hit because I think that's disrespectful to the position we found ourselves in. But we can really go and attack this Manchester City game now. And hopefully his management of the squad means we've got something left in the tank to go head-to-head with them. Yeah, the the game management at the end, I think that was the maturity that we needed to see that out was bizarrely personified by Alex Awobi. Uh, and I don't say that to, to patronise him, but it, it's looked like a characteristic that is just beyond him since he joined Everton. Um, watching him keep the ball in the, in the corner at the end and, and actually do some skills, which I saw creep out as well. Um, he, he looks like a man possessed on that right wing. I mean, the amount of times that he just picks the ball up now and drives at full-backs. Um, it, it's bizarre to see an Everton winger do that. We're, we're talking about going back to Andre Kinchelskis and Anders Limpar since we've seen someone just aggressively run at the opposition goal. Uh, and it, it looks like it looks like a real defined plan that Ancelotti has for Awobi, um, in particular in the Ooh. first half where he actually took on opposition players. Uh, I mean, these things all happened. It was all there on video. Um, but I think that it's an interesting one for on Gilfie Sigurdsson because I think the, the interesting stat for him tonight that I saw was that he had the highest pass- passing success rate on the pitch. Uh, and, and we come away from that thinking that that's a pretty poor game for him. I think that the, the takeaway from that is that he is in this side not to play safe ball and keep possession. He's yeah. in there for the moments that he's created. Um, the reason that you hook someone like Tom Davis after an okay game after 65 minutes is that in those situations, he is largely ineffective. Uh, and, and that's not anything against Davis. It's just the nature of a game winner like Gilfie Sigurdsson. I'm, I, you want to ideally be in a position where your team is, is that structured that you can afford someone like Gilfie Sigurdsson to have a poor 70 minutes and still be able to persist with him. Because when that opportunity comes, there has to be an acceptance that on nights like tonight, he might put six or seven really poor free kicks or through balls in. But on that one moment, which clearly we were in a game that was going to be defined by one moment of anything. Uh, and he, he is the man who was able to do that. 
it, it's going to take him games. It looks like he's finally starting to create some form of momentum. But when I say that, it, it's not always going to be in performance. We're, we're never going to look back at a football season and think Gilfie Sigurdsson played really well for those 10 games. If I can look back at him and say, do you remember that Christmas period where he got four goals and assisted three and we won seven out of eight games? That That's essentially why we bought a player like Gilfie Sigurdsson in the first place. So as as frustrating as it is, and as much as we, we've never been a football team who have been able to afford one particular player that luxury, unfortunately, when people like Hammers and when people like Richarlison are out, the flair has to come from somewhere. The, the affordance has to be given to one player. And I think Gilfie Sigurdsson is clearly that man at the moment. It was the exact. Uh, it was the exact finish he was looking for at Burnley, wasn't it? It was almost like he was. He was in that position. It's probably, and just transfer- probably a harder one than the Burnley one, I think. I think it was. I think he had less time, uh, and that, that's probably why he comes up with such a precise finish. Matt, I think you know. You look back at that Burnley one. He probably had a little bit too much time to pick his spot. Um, you, you you look at the. I mean. It, the precision of the, the the footwork that goes into the move that creates that opportunity is so so mm. precise. Um, but I I I'd like to sort of um, praise players here who we've completely either written off or didn't have a, a hope in hell of seeing them on an Everton pitch anytime soon. And I think Bernard personified that. I think he completely transferred this game, and he he completely outshone everybody else on the pitch and there looked to be a real point to prove as soon as he he entered the fray and this is against the physical side he wouldn't necessarily expect them to do so uh, against similar with, with, with Gomez who was a bit of a foil for everybody when he come on as well lo and behold these lads Gabriel Agbonlaho must be having kittens tonight South American <laughs> someone from South America doing well on a cold winter's night yeah. in England notch that down as one of Richarlison's moves Matt as yeah. well, and one of, one of James Rodriguez's moves in the, in the staff pack I'm looking for. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, one of the South American, he was excellent tonight, and I want to throw this to you, Rob, because we haven't really done the big Yerry Mina chat on any of our post-match shows, because while he's been playing well, other people have perhaps um, you know, played a little bit better. Uh, we focused a lot on the full-backs, obviously, and Holgate and, and Godfrey playing out of position, Keane playing every minute of the season, etc., etc., but... Um, I, I thought Mino had a great game again tonight as well. I think the Manchester United game, he made a couple of really important blocks that got a bit overlooked because we didn't win the game. And at the end tonight, actually, as well, he you know he did an excellent job, didn't he? Uh, just heading everything away, kicking everything away. And I think what's actually really important for Mino as well is that he's actually playing a lot of games and getting mm-hmm. minutes, something we've not really expected him to be able to do. Yeah, look... Um... I, I've all, I've been a big believer for a while in Yerry Mina's talent, but I, I've fully conceded that what he has had to prove um, to a lot of people is that he can be durable and reliable, um, and can you know go longer stretches without you know and, and avoid uh, you know the individual mistakes. Uh, defenders. You know, if you play enough minutes in this league, you're going to make a mistake. A goal is going to get scored on you. There are very few that have just, you know, who are flawless and perfect. But, um, you know, how many of the players that, that you truly love and have affection for are perfect, flawless players? You know, Yerry Mina is not that. But uh, at the same time, I think he's been fantastic lately. And I think he has 
really proven a lot of his doubters wrong from the standpoint of just being able to stay on the pitch um, to contribute meaningfully to games where we've been really good defensively, uh, getting the goal, uh, obviously, against Arsenal that was, fan that was wonderful. Uh, and I'd also point out, too, that, that when we talk about – I think what, what sometimes drives me a little crazy is that he's starting all these games where we're getting clean sheets, we're not allowing shots in the second half, et cetera. And that's certainly not down to one person. But he's been a really big key part of that. And I think that he is certainly owed his due at this point um, in terms of how he's played. Um, this is what we thought we were paying for, and we're starting to get it. Um, obviously, the, you know, the – I think that a lot of people thought that he was just sort of warming the seat for Mason Holgate to take that spot. But I give Michael Keane and Yerry Mina as a partnership, which is something that we talk about a lot, that, that center halves really have to sometimes be judged as units as opposed to individual players. I have to give that pairing a, a huge amount of credit. Let's be honest, most of you who are listening to this right now have, have probably – and, and even I probably have, to a degree, kind of bought into the narrative that, well, they can't play together. And yet they have played together. They've been playing together uh, for the vast majority of not only this season, but the vast majority of the games where we've won. <laughs> and, and I think at a certain point, you can't just continue to say it's a fluke or it's just this kind of, you know, lucky situation that they somehow are, are, are just holding on for your dear life. They've been really good uh, as, a, as a partnership. Now, I still don't want – I think that we get into this thing where we feel like we have to speculate about, well, what does what the long-term partnership look like? When is it Holgate? When is it Godfrey? Uh, when does Brandtwaite get involved? I don't really care about those things right now. I'm not really concerned about that right now. All we really need to worry about is, uh, you know, how is this group of players playing at the moment? Are they contributing meaningfully to us playing well? They are. And, and I think that getting too far down the road is, is certainly, uh, you know, problematic. The only other thing I'll say, too, is that Dave made a really good point about how not only this game was sort of a, a, a microcosm of, of the kind of island of misfit children who, who found a way to, you know, get us a win. I think that if you look at the broader narrative of this season, guys like Alex Iwobi, guys like Yerry Mina, I'd even, you, you can even begin to argue that Tom Davis is starting to inch his way into this conversation of being a productive, solid, reliable squad player. These are all players that we, have, we had given up on for, you know, I mean, I don't know if I, I never really gave up on Yerry Mina, but I think a lot of people have given up on some of these players as being completely useless parts. And we talked about this notion that we can't continue to rely on external solutions, that if we've got the elite manager that we think we do, then he has got to find a way to make the players and the talent that he's got in the squad better. And that's what Carlo Ancelotti has done. And the proof is in the, the, proof is in the table. And, and you're seeing it. Um, despite the fact that we had all of these players out, finding ways to be exactly where we are, to go on this run without all of those players, I think is a huge testament to Carlo Ancelotti. And, and I'm made up for these players because you can tell those who have kind of redeemed themselves uh, are really enjoying, uh, enjoying that, that part of this journey. I, I just wanted to continue that point, Rob. I think, it, I think it's an excellent way of looking at things now. When we uh, consider Tom Davis, when we consider Gomez is fall, sadly falling into that category of a player that we feel may well be surplus to requirements, I, I'm starting to look at them in a different way. Uh, and I think that's what the manager's done. Um, a lot of our problems, I, I think, stem from overcomplicating things um, as a football club with, with certain views on certain players. 
Uh, and as fans, I think we're really guilty of doing this. For instance, when we have a player that's out, i.e. Richarlison, um, I think the go-to thought for many Evertonians is we need somebody to replace him, but not just replace him in terms of, yes, he's out injured, so we need somebody else in that position. We do that, I think, either subconsciously or many of us consciously, thinking that the person that has to come in has to be a replacement for exactly the same thing that Richarlison offers this side. Mm. And football doesn't work like that because you've got a, t- a, you know, a squad of 20-odd individuals there, all of whom have different attributes, whether you think they're any good or not. There's things that Anthony Gordon's good at that Richarlison's not. There's things that Tom Davis is good at that Alan is not. Yeah. Um, that, that list might get less and less significant uh, depending on how you rate the player. But if you're a good football manager, you, you put the player in, yes, because you have to, but secondly, you put them in with an eye on what can they offer this side rather than what am I missing that I need them to fill the gaps with. And I, I think we look. he's starting to look at these squad players. Mm. Alex Iwobi being the, 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 the predominant one for me who he sees as somebody who has a completely different skill set to James Rodriguez and one that can still be as effective if it's allowed to flourish. And and that's what I see when, when I see him putting people in different places. Now we may question, why has he got Anthony Gordon in? Or why is Bernard getting a go now all of a sudden when you've got other players on the bench? Well, they're getting a go because he feels as if they've got the skill set required to perform the task that he wants them to do in this side that can ultimately benefit the, the side and hopefully get us three points. He's not doing it because, well, who's the best fit for Alan not being in there? That that isn't a question that we need answering. We need an, the answer. The answer we need is what player is most likely going to help us get three points. And I think once again, the, it, it's in its simplification. However, it's starting to benefit from a manager who, who appears to me to strip everything back have a look at what we have available, not what we're missing, and approaching it with a proactive attitude. I think in terms of overcomplicating it, ironically, as as much as it's worked in the last few weeks, I think Ancelotti's been the one who's, I would say, quite guilty of of overcomplicating it. Um, Before the four wins, Mark, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. In terms of you know different starting lineup every week, um, the the mess that was summarised by that away performance at Newcastle, where we changed we changed formation without exaggerating four or five times in the game, um, asking players to do jobs that, as you say, we're, we're shoehorning people into positions in order to fulfil a setup that we think we should have, as opposed to just playing to the strengths that this squad does. Um, it, it should come as a surprise to absolutely nobody that Everton have started to string results together with a relatively stable formation and setup, uh, and in particular a, a pretty stable back four. Um, and I think that that sort of continuity, as as much as Ancelotti has always been one to advocate the fact that there there are times where a certain system will work against a certain team, and it, it, if the opposition demands it a very specific approach, then we will definitely abandon all of our principles to adopt that if we feel like it will work. But this is something that's just going to come with time. I mean, we've seen a we've seen a first season where Everton played two right-backs with Jibril Sidibe and Seamus Coleman, and we kind of just see what happens there. And then Abdoulaye Decore fills in there. And it, it, it's all felt, up until this point, very much experimental. 
Um, I don't know about you guys, I'm, I'm ready for that to evolve now. I'm ready for Anjati to kind of stop experimenting. And as much as he needs to continue to learn, I feel like there has to be a little bit more of a refined approach about, about how we do that. Um, just to rewind massively on Yeri Mina, I think he, he is very much someone who tactically really, really benefits from having a centre-back either side of him. And I'm not, I'm not advocating a five or a three or whatever you want to call it at the back. But in terms of having someone like Godfrey or Holgate at right back, I'm playing that, that slightly more reserved role at fullback. I think it means that Yerry Mina is isolated a hell of a lot less. If, if you think about Yerry Mina in trouble on a football pitch, it, it's generally when he's one-on-one against a striker, trying to turn him because our fullback's on the halfway line after an attack. Newcastle away, mate, won it. Yeah. Exactly. The, the second goal, that, that, that's exactly where Yerry Mina looks like he's running through treacle. Uh, and uh, the more that he can be part of a setup and a four at the back, I think he, he will absolutely benefit. If you're Sheffield United and you want to pump balls into our box in the last 10 minutes, then Yerry Mina is our man all day long because that is bread and butter for him. Um, and, and lastly, more importantly on Mina, I think so much has been overlooked tactically and from a footballing perspective about him, primarily based on personality. Um, and if it was a touch on personality for him, I think, Certainly, after the final whistle tonight, in that brief glimpse that we saw of the players coming off, he really looks to me like an important man at this football club. Um, Regardless of the the specific role that he may have on the pitch, everything that is good and collective about the attitude of this team and the the togetherness of it, he is very much central to it. Um, And it's, it's, it's a massive testament to someone who... Um, has obviously not been in the country a great deal of time. He's not necessarily been in a, a consistent run in the side for a great deal of the time. But he looks like an, a really important club man. And I think you can you can very quickly underestimate how important that can be to have on at any area of the pitch. But in particular at centre-half, um, he, he may well never, ever carry an armband playing for Everton. But his mindset and his mentality is to lead and I think we, we've spoken so many times about a lack of players that are capable of doing that but his, his willingness to just be in charge of every situation albeit recklessly sometimes is something that Everton have, have craved for so long I think you can see taking in Rob's eyes there yeah oh, <laughs> I, mm. no well Actually, I do want to piggyback on something Mark said, though, that I think is critically important. Um, as a group or as a, as a, you know, a subculture on Twitter or whatever we want to call ourselves as Evertonians, especially as we oh. debate these issues, occult uh, online, um, I think we get, really, we get really focused in on the narrow way of looking at concepts like leadership. Because what we do is we say, this, this club, this team needs a captain. No, what this club needs is a bunch of guys who are willing to be accountable, who are willing to be positive, who are willing to keep guys together instead of looking for reasons to, to become wedge, wedge type players. I mean, we've, you know, we're seeing these issues crop up at other clubs where you hear constantly about a bad attitude, uh, a player who's putting himself before, before, before others, regardless of whether, you know, regardless of how you feel about who should have the armband on any given day, I, I don't really care. I think that the concept of a captain, 
captain is more romantic than it is it is uh, significant on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis. Um, you know, if, if Seamus Coleman is, is our captain or he's the club captain, that's, that's wonderful. But he or Jagielka or whoever has come before them, I mean, it hasn't made a ton of difference because one guy, and that's not so much a shot at them, but one guy is not enough. You have to have, you have, to have players across the board who are willing to stand up at times, who are willing to brush off a, a mistake who are willing to, you know, not allow, you know, something that has happened before to dictate their attitude moving forward. And that's probably been one of the things that I've felt so strongly about when it comes to Yeri Mina to Mark's point is that this is a guy who, you know, regardless of whether he makes a mistake here or there, regardless of how you feel about him as a player, the one thing you can't say about Yeri Mina is that there is a lack of effort. You can't say that there is a poor attitude there. That is a guy that gives everything he's got, whether, you know, it come hell or high water. And I think that the, the levity he brings to what can be a very uh, a sport that at times is a, very much of a grind, especially in December when it is cold and you're tired and it's brutal. You need guys there that can put a smile on the faces of others. You need guys there who can lead uh, not only by example, but who can you know put a shout in, et cetera. I think in some ways from a personality standpoint, he and Keen are perfect compliments to one another because I don't think Keen is a real vocal guy, but he is obviously leading this season uh, by example, by playing every minute, by being uh, really quality when he gets on there. And so Everton have to have more guys like that. And again, this all goes back to Carlo Ancelotti for me. He's taken guys that maybe have not uh, found the room to to stand up and be uh, maybe the kinds of leaders that, that we all have wanted. And he has found a way to develop that culture and that accountability. And you're seeing leadership spread throughout the squad, which is really what you need more than any one individual captain. And, and again, I think that that was typified today by the performances of guys like guys who I've been skeptical about. Like Tom Davis was great today, guys. I mean, Tom Davis, Abdullah DeCore, guys who, you know, regardless of whether or not they, they shout a bunch or uh, make a lot of noise, they led today by stepping up in a game where they needed to be good, where they needed to put in a full effort. That's what you need. You're seeing it throughout the throughout the, the, the team right now. And, and that's, to me, the biggest difference is that you can't argue we haven't had some talented players or talented squads even, uh, but what we have now is a group that is pulling together uh, all at once. And, and to me, that is the biggest difference. That's why we are now second in the league uh, as we head into uh, you know the end of the year, it's 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 amazing. Exciting, it's exciting. Uh, we got a lot of reds in the comments on YouTube tonight, and fair play, lads. Dave has made up with that. And to be fair, hey. I'll be checking on our nearest title title rivals as well. To be fair, we were the defending <laughs> champions, so fair play, lads. Uh, good way to yeah. spend Boxing Day evening, absolutely missing some form, delight the Blues. It's all about the top. He's closing that gap on you to two points. Uh, is it? Is it? I think. Is it a YouTube thing, Matt? That they they all sort of come on here because they obviously we we wouldn't know on the pods, will be. Um, no, they, no. they can listen to them uh, anonymously. Yeah, I think a lot of them listen to us on the slide. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, listen, I, I'm I'm welcoming them into the discussion as long as you keep it clean. Yeah, we like rating. We like ratings no matter who's listening, right? That's fine by me. Tier two table toppers, aren't we? Hands <laughs> across Stanley Park, yeah. Both top yeah. of the table. Uh, but yeah, uh, fair play, lads. Yeah, N- nice one for checking in ours. Uh, best of luck against West Brom tomorrow. But uh, yeah, we'll leave it there from our point of view. 
Uh, Everton playing less than 48 hours time again, as the lads mentioned there, against Manchester City. Mad one. Uh, I'll have to wait and see what happens in that. Could be all sorts of fun and games, but uh, these lads and this manager have certainly given us reason to believe. Hey, uh, go on, Rob. Hey, Matt, can I, can, I, can I say one last thing before we close out? Come me. How good is this How good is this December compared to all the crap Decembers that we've endured for the last several years? This has been great. I'm As much as we're sitting here having a very thoughtful discussion, I don't want the enthusiasm and the excitement to be tamped down. Yes, we're second, and that's the, be, the most important thing, but we're playing so well that we can actually say, hey, we, you know, I know that Dave doesn't want to call it a, a free hit, and I don't want to call it that either, but it sort of is, isn't it? Because now we've done the work, we've gotten all of these wins, we've lined them up, and we've moved up the table to where, you know, now the pressure isn't on us to rescue ourselves in these really, really tough calendar crunch games. So I think it's great. Yeah. When's the last time we won on Boxing Day? Last year. I may or may not have had a drink tonight. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one, mate. Uh, yeah. So just just about finished the whiskey, so we'll uh, we'll leave it there anyway. Uh, hope everybody has a good rest of the Boxing Day. Rob, you've got the whole day ahead over, over there. Yeah, well, it's a lovely day here in Texas, uh, visiting family with our, our masks on and our distancing. Uh, but I think we're going to go maybe go for a walk or something like that and eat some good Tex-Mex food tonight. So I'm excited. Rob, Rob, excuse my ignorance. It's not called Boxing Day in America, is it? Uh, it's catching on here. I think people refer to it as Boxing Day a little bit, but I, I, I don't I don't know if it's as popular. It's certainly not as, a, as much of a cultural touchstone as it is there to call it Boxing Day. But it's Boxing Day in my heart. That's all that matters. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but it's been a pleasure sharing it with you. Uh, thanks very much to everyone on YouTube as well. Even the Reds for getting involved. All uh, the best, Reds. Yeah, it's this time of year, so we'll be fixed for the next two years. But, uh, yeah, uh, of course, we'll be back again after that Manchester City game. In the meantime, on Blue Room Extra, I'll be speaking to Dave Mooney from the Blue Moon podcast. Have a chat about how City are facing up in that one. Our Blue Room breakfast in the morning as well. So, two shows going out on Blue Room Extra over on Patreon if you want a little bit more from us. But in the meantime, uh, we will speak to you soon. Dear gas prices, go take a hike. Toyota is the number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years. The Toyota hybrid lineup brings efficiency with power and savings with style. Not to mention top tech to help keep you connected. Plush premium interiors and the most advanced Toyota safety features. So, now you know who you're talking to. Toyota, the number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years. With a hybrid or electric vehicle built for every driver. Seriously, dear gas prices, do you really think you can stand in our way? Think again. Toyota hybrids. Find yours at toyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Based on manufacturer estimates, see why 2000 through 2021 sales. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.